Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. pick up where we left off last week and I want to talk to you about the the power of emotional intelligence, the power of emotional intelligence. Now, it may sound like, well, wow, that's a that's kind of a secular worldly uh, phrase, isn't it? But no, it's really not. It's really a biblical uh, phrase and it's a biblical principle to have the mind of Christ, the intelligence of Christ factored in to how you handle your emotions, how you process your emotions and how you how you uh, how you uh, allow your emotions to move you, because emotion, if you take the word emotion, it really is the word is literally translated as internal motion. Emotion is internal motion. In other words, it's 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 motion inside of you that moves you to an action. It's motion inside of you that moves you to an action or you pause and you refuse to let it move you to an action. But it's it's trying to move you to an action. Our emotions are not our emotions don't um, consult with us before they act. But we need to consult with ourselves before we allow our emotions to act. Okay, so I'm going to get into this a little bit with you, because well, we, this started when um, the the uh, the school Vallejo Academy asked me to do a parenting seminar. So I so last Monday, uh, 10 days ago or so, I started I did this parenting seminar. And the first point that I made was there's no such thing as parenting skills. There's only a thing called people skills. And if you understand people skills, you'll know how to be a parent. And frankly, you'll know how to be anything that you need to be when you understand people skills, because everything you do in life has to do with people, whether you whether you see the immediate connection or not, everything in life that everything in our lives has to do with people. We weren't meant to live alone. We weren't left. We weren't meant to live by ourselves without community and without interaction and without connection. And and sometimes those connections create friction. Sometimes that that activity, uh, human activity, it's not it's not sanitized all the time. And yet we, we, we somehow are surprised that it's not sanitized all the time. In other words, we're surprised that our relationships aren't just peachy all the time. And and if you try to sanitize your relationships, you're not going to have any left. There is grit in relationships and there is there's pain in relationships and there there is challenge in relationships and there's there's misunderstandings in relationships and there's confusion and there's somebody's acting like a a a butt sometimes in relationships. okay? And uh, and 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 I want you I want you to understand how to process that. And it starts with yourself. It starts with as I as I mentioned to the parents uh, the other day, again, the best thing you can do to be a good parent is to make yourself the first kid that you raise. You have to raise yourself before you're going to be capable of raising a kid. You got to raise the kid inside of you. The kid that's still a kid 
because your your parents screwed up, the kid that's still a kid because you didn't know God at a younger age, the kid that's still a kid inside of you because you were you know, you were spoiled or the kid that's inside of you that's still a kid because your parents didn't understand how to awaken adulthood and maturity in your soul. And I'm here to help you. I'm not going to reparent you. I don't want any more kids. All right. But I can I can show you how to do this yourself. So treat me like a YouTube video right now. This is a do it yourself program (laughs) on how to reparent yourself and 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 all. You know, like I said, it's it's really people skills, not so much parenting skills. And everybody who's joining us online, thank you for for joining us. You are in a church service. You are in a Bible study. You are at Life Changers International Church. And I'm really happy to have you. I really want to help you because in your life, you're going to find what I'm talking about is you're going to face what I'm talking about every day of your life. And you're either going to be in denial about it or you're going to be mature about it and really learn how to process your emotions and how to handle other people's emotions when they get crazy. And when you're they're crazy meets you're crazy, it really gets crazy. And that's when you're really in trouble if you don't know these skills. And that's a lot of us grew up this way without these skills, you know, and um, boy, I wish I could just, you know, un unscrew my head and take what I what took me five decades to finally figure out and and stick it inside of you. And that's why we need to come together every Sunday and every Wednesday, because it's going to take a while. Okay, it's going to take until Jesus comes back for us to all figure this stuff out. All right. So so stick with me for a little while. Uh, But um, but look, if you were if you grew up well and and I don't I don't want to insult anybody's parents, including my own. I don't. But but my goal is not. See, we can't be focused on people's feelings never being hurt. We have to focus on what's going to help you grow, not at the expense of somebody else, but you can't constantly put people's feelings above your own maturity and above you. You can't let people intimidate you into behaving a certain way that protects them when really what you're responsible for is yourself if that makes sense. And there's a scripture in, that I love in Romans, chapter 12, verse 18. And it says it says this, it says, be at peace with all men as much as it depends on you. Or the, I think the King James translation or the new King James says, be at peace with all men as much as it has to do with you, as much as it has to do with you. In other words, what we often focus our energy on is the other person and trying to get them to be at peace with us rather than as much as it has to do with you be at peace with all men. Now, whether they are at peace with you is not your responsibility, but whether you're at peace with them is your responsibility as much as it has to do with you, where it no longer has to do with you anymore. You wipe, you wash your hands clean of it and you say, I've done everything I can. But you can't say that when you haven't done as much as it has to do with you. So be very careful not to assume that you've gotten to the point where as much as it has to do with you, you've been at peace with all men, because chances are 
you haven't done as much as it depends on you. So there is a portion of responsibility in any interaction, in any communication and in any relate. Does this make any sense to anybody so far? So there's there is a there is responsibility in any interaction and in any relationship. There's a responsibility on both people's part, but it's not it's not our responsibility. You have yours and I have mine. And frankly, your responsibility has zero to do with mine and my responsibility has zero to do with yours. In other words, my response, my ability to respond, my responsibility, my ability to respond completely depends on me and zero of it depends on you. And as long as I live in an imaginary world where any of my reaction has to do with you, and where you're responsible for any of my reaction or any of how I interact with you, then I if I if I remain in that imaginary world, I remain an imaginary adult. And I am not growing. I I remain Peter Pan. And I never grow up. Come on, where are you, Tinkerbell? You got to grow up. You got to grow up. So so I'm not picking on parents. But even in my own life as a parent, the three things that that most matter to what to my to what as far as my parenting went and goes, I'm really only parenting one child at this time um, because the other ones have to the other ones are there. They're at a place in their life. They have to parent themselves and they have to reparent where I failed or where their mother failed. And you say, well, how can Christians look the best? Some of you've heard me say this many times. The best any parent can do in raising a kid, the best any parent can do or any set of parents can do is you can do 50 percent of the job at best, because the other 50 percent of the job of parenting is by the heavenly father, not the earthly father and mother, but by your heavenly father. So nobody, no parent can fully parent any human being. But every kid, every every human being needs to be parented twice, first by their earthly parents and then the rest by their heavenly father or their heavenly parent. And listen, God knows how to make up the difference. So if you're at best, your parents hear what I'm saying. At best, your parents could do half the job. The other half of the job is up to God and your relationship with him as your heavenly father and your submission to him as your heavenly father. And so if you rebelled against your parents continually, you'll most likely rebel against God unless you were rebelling, unless it was a good rebellion and you were rebelling against their rebellion. Does that make sense? Like sometimes we're rebelling against our parents own rebellion. And that's a good rebellion. They're rebelling against God. So I'm rebelling against their rebelling against God. They may not be doing it intentionally. What we have to do is remove all motive out of the equation because motives and judging people's motives is our is it's our it's our excuse making tendency to 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 disqualify that person and anything they're saying because we're projecting what we think their motive is. So we dismiss ourselves from the responsibility of responding correctly. And you need to never dismiss yourself or excuse yourself 
from responding correctly in a situation, but you need to own it. You need to own your response. That's called responsibility. You need to own your response in every situation and you don't you don't dismiss or abdicate your responsibility just because somebody's motive is you you're judging their motive and you think their motive is bad. You don't know a person's motive. Nobody is ever going to fully know a person's motive until our souls are laid bare before God in heaven. Until then, just mind your own business, you know, and mind your own motives, really, because you can't as much as it has to do with you. Keep that verse up there as as far as it depends on you. Like there is a certain amount of responsibility in Romans 12, 18. It depends on you. That's all you're responsible for. But too often we're trying to do it for the other person and you can't. And that's frustration. All that births is frustration and conflict and um, codependency and and unhealthy relationships. So the 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 goal of of parenting is to is to help a human being have three things, emotional intelligence, which is what we're talking about today, resilience, that bounce back ability, resilience. Don't give up. If you fall, get back up. Uh, If you fail, if you make a mistake, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven to Proverbs 24, verse 16, a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up like there, we have to teach ourselves resilience. So in reparenting ourselves, we need to reparent ourselves in emotional intelligence, which I'm going to get into more in more detail. And we need to reparent ourselves in resilience. Like there are so many people that just are not resilient. They face a little resistance and they quit. They face a little resistance and they give up. They face a little opposition. And then it's like, okay, this must not be God's will. And we can't over spiritualize resistance as if it's a sign from God that we're not supposed to do something. The Bible says, knock, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking and the door will be open and you will receive. There is something about persistence and not giving up and a stick to that every one of us needs to have in any endeavor of our lives, whether it's in a business, in a relationship. Now there comes a point as much as it has to do with you where it no longer has to do with you. And you've got to be you've got to be mature enough that and self effacing enough and humble enough to recognize when you've done everything that you can do. And at that point, you move on in a different direction from a person or a business or a job or a situation when you've done everything that you can do, not everything you know to do everything you're capable of doing. It's on. It's on us. It's on me to figure out what I can do, not just say, well, I don't know what else to do. Well, have I researched it? Have I studied it? Have I asked somebody else who's gone through it? Have I researched what the Bible says about it? Like, in other words, we can't cop out by saying, well, I don't know what else to do. If you just Google it, you'll probably know what else to do. (laughs) You know, it doesn't really take that much to figure out what else to do. Most people just aren't willing to do. We'd rather hang our hat on an excuse. We'd rather hang our hat on an excuse. 
I wonder if I'm in the right place. I wonder if you're maybe you're maybe you're looking. Oh, I was looking for some encouragement. I don't want to. I don't really. I can't. I, I can't. I got to dodge this responsibility. Don't dodge responsibility. It's going to find you one way or another. Master it and you won't be mastered by it. OK, so it's emotional intelligence. It's resilience. Growing up requires these three things, emotional intelligence, resilience and the basic mechanics of healthy relationships like these three things, the a basic understanding of what it means to have a healthy relationship. And you'd be surprised. Well, you, you probably aren't surprised, but the majority of people really are not good at the basic mechanics of healthy relationships. The majority of people are unhealthy in their soul. Therefore, they're unhealthy in their relationships. They don't grasp. Most people don't grasp self-awareness enough to be healthy and contribute health to a relationship. So uh, and I'll get into that in more detail if um, if you guys you know, are interested in this and pull this out, because this is this is this this will change your life, man. This is this will change your life. We take this all. We can take this all the way back to the beginning when Adam and Eve first failed. And then when their children see Cain and Abel were the first kids in the earth. They, They weren't the first people, but they were the first kids. So we can learn a lot from them as the first children of the earth, because Adam and Eve were not, you know, they weren't born. They were created. Right. So um, now let me talk for a moment before I was let me back up for a second and say something about healthy relationships and then circle back to a deeper look at self-awareness, but and emotional intelligence. But um, Healthy relationships require a few things. Listening, listening skills. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter four, verse, I believe, verse um, verse eight, uh, right in that neighborhood. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but it's it's in Proverbs chapter four, where it says um, acquire understanding or get understanding. And in all you're getting in all you're getting, get understanding like it. It makes it so clear. It's like get wisdom and in all you're getting, get understanding, exalt her, exalt her, like exalt her. That's like worshiping understanding and not in a worshiping an idol kind of way, but in an elevating and exalting and magnifying and 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 um, and proclaiming the importance of and and ascribing great value to understanding. It says exalt her, exalt her. It's like it's it's like God is trying to tell us something that understanding is a spirit. It's like a spirit of understanding. It's it's almost like a person. That's why he describes it as a her exalt her and she will promote you. This should tell us everything we need to know about how well, how do you respond to a female boss? Exalt her and she will promote you. <laughs> you know, how some people are I could never work for a like that. Some guys are that twisted in their thinking. I could never work for a woman. And here God says in Proverbs chapter four, verse eight, exalt her and she will promote you. 
she will bring you honor when you embrace her. Like we're not like some of us, we kind of we kind of fist tap. Understanding we're like, hey, I'm cool with you. All right. Or we may even, you know, you know, like a like a C clap, you know, understanding, you know, it's not like a, a formal handshake. It's more like a come on, man, like, you know, I don't know what you call that. Just just a cool clap, C clap, I call it. OK, you might even C clap understanding, but the Bible doesn't say fist, you know, fist pump or fist hit or any of that or Fitbit and none of that. He says, embrace her, embrace her. OK, do I need to come down there and demonstrate and embrace? You know what embracing someone is? Uh, you know what? I got embraced the other day by the most beautiful woman I've ever met. I'm just kidding. It was a little girl. She's eight years old. <laughs> and she literally she came up to me. I don't know if her mom's here tonight, but I, in between services, she she came up to me and, and she's like, oh, and her mother's like this. My daughter's just she's wanted to meet you for so long. And I said, well, give me a hug. And she grabs me like eight years old. She grabs me so tight. I literally couldn't breathe. Like this girl is squeezing like like I'm about to die of love. I'm about to be loved to death by an eight year old. <laughs> and then she and then she lets go finally. And then she's like, oh, I just I almost fainted. <laughs> Eight year old knew what knew how to embrace like you hold on so tight and you just don't let go. That's the kind of relationship we need to have with understanding, with listening. And you know what she'll do? She will honor you. She will promote you. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Why are so many people failing in life and not reigning in life because they don't embrace understanding? You know, the Bible says that the fool scoffs at understanding, that the fool rejects discipline, that the fool rejects instruction, that the fool pushes back on correction. And boy, the Bible says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof. It's and reproof isn't like you're bad. Reproof is reproving to you what God meant. It proves and reproves over and over again the truth of God's love, the truth of his goodness, the truth of his grace. And I really want you to get a hold of this, you guys, is that you think about it, a, a head of an ornament of grace, um, a crown of glory, um, promotion and honor, all from what? Embracing understanding, which is essential in healthy relationships not being heard, but hearing 
You say, well, if I'm hearing, then doesn't that person need to hear, too? If I'm understanding, well, what about them? It's as much as it has to do with you. You're responsible for you. You're not responsible for them. You can't take responsibility for somebody else. If you take responsibility for you, you will have peace. You will have peace. You say, I can't have peace unless they understand me. No, you will have peace when you understand you. Them understanding you is a false. It's a it's a it is a mirage of peace. It's not real peace. Somebody understanding you is not real peace. You understand because you can't control. You, you can't have your peace depend on something that is not within your control. There is no peace there because somebody can take it away anytime they want. Our peace needs to depend on what we can control. And I can't control you, but I can control me. I can't control how you react, but I can control how I react. Now, that doesn't mean I do all the time, but I but I, I have the ability and the responsibility to do such. And so do you about you. My God, if we could get to the place where we stop trying to get other people to understand and instead seek to understand, then we I mean, you're not going to have so many, so many. You're not going to have fights and arguments and elevating the voice like you have to raise your voice to be like, why? Why? Because you don't feel you're being heard. So you have to raise your voice. Your job is not to be heard. It's to hear and to understand to him that has ears. Let him hear. The Bible doesn't say to him that has a tongue, let him speak. It says to him that has ears, let him hear. I'm just trying to help tonight a little bit. Listen, so healthy relationships are built upon listening and understanding. Respect and kindness. And empathy. These are the building blocks of healthy relationships, empathy. And I'll get to that because that's that comes through self-awareness, which I'll get to. So what is self-awareness? Let's look over at Luke, chapter six, Luke, chapter six. I know it's not like, yeah, woo, seated with Christ in heavenly places. I taught you that so I can get to this without you beating yourself up about this. You got to know who you are in Christ so you can so you can embrace instruction and correction without it, without it crushing you and without you crumbling. Okay, Luke, chapter six, look at this verse, um, verse 42. How can you say to your brother, brother, like, you know, when you, you know, when you call somebody brother, you know that you're already off. Brother, let me tell you something, brother. (laughs) How can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye. But he says. When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. Beloved. Oh, he doesn't say beloved there. (laughs) He says, hypocrite, first remove the plank 
the plank. Like picture this, the plank. So he's comparing. You think the other person has the plank in there, like a plank. Remember the old pirate shows and pirate movies? Walk the plank. Arrgh. You're going to walk the plank. Arrgh. It's like this long diving board kind of vibe and versus a speck of dust, a speck. So he's saying, look, you you think the plank or the log is in their eye and and the speck is in yours. But he's saying, no, you need to take the log out of your eye. You say, why do people why does everybody think the log is in the other person's eye? Because your log in your eye is so long, it reaches to the other person (laughs) to the point where you actually think it's it's coming from them. (laughs) And this is self-awareness. This is self-awareness. This is emotional intelligence right here, right in this verse. He's saying he's saying, stop trying to blame the other person as if the log is in their eye. You take the log out of your eye. He doesn't say take the speck out of your eye. He says take the log out of your eye. In other words, it 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 may be that you both have the same problem. And this is not reserved for marriage. This is for any relationship, gang. This is for any and every relationship. This is our relationship. Like, I'm not here to to find logs in your eyes. I'm here to take the log out of my eye like I'm living to take the log out of my eye so I can see clearly to take the speck out of yours. But I have to be very like a person who works on your eye like we have a uh, ophthalmologist that that, um, Sarisa, she's an ophthalmologist. She operates on people's eyes. She has to be she has to be so in our she's been a member of our church for over 20 years. She has to be so. Careful. And gentle. And precise. If you like do LASIK surgery on someone or you're operating on their glaucoma or anything with the eye, the eye is like you cannot like like if you're working on my elbow, you know, you can you can be a little loose. You can't be loose with the cornea uh, fire or whatever that <laughs> whatever the thing is called. It burns a person's eye. You can't like, oh, let me try this out. Let me see if it works over here. Oops, we got a black spot now. Sorry. Like the precision that is necessary to operate on the eye is mind boggling. Like you have to be so steady and so precise and so calm and such peace. And if you can't see well, you know, last thing you want to do is see an eye doctor that can't see very well. Like, like he, we have got to embrace personal responsibility for our own issues, for our own response, for our own reaction. And you'll realize once you get the log out of your eye that the thing that you thought was a log in their eye will become so small that it's not a big deal anymore. 
It's just a speck. Don't you see? He's not even even though he's saying then you'll see clearly to be able to take the speck out of somebody else's eye. Really underneath that, he's like, I really believe Jesus is saying, like, you're not even going to care about that speck. Once you get the log out of your eye, you're going to realize that's just a speck. Stop being a perfectionist with other people. It's he's he's making a point. He's not. It's not like, oh yeah, I hate that speck in there. I'm going to fine. I'll take this log out of my eye just so I can get to that speck in there. No, that's not the spirit of this. The spirit of it is once you get the log out of your eye, it's just a speck. Yeah, it's no big deal. And it's their responsibility anyway, not yours. See the log, remove the log. Where's the log in your eye? Where's the plank in your eye? Stop making stop displacing it and 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 putting it on them when it's just a speck coming from them and it's a plank coming from you. And really, uh, I got to be honest with you, gang. So many Christians and humans, period, are not aware. They just lack self-awareness like they're just they're just uh, for whatever reason, not willing to go there on themselves because they're afraid of what they'll find. And here's what you've got to. Here's where you can find safety is that, number one, like like, you know, when somebody is. um, How can I put this? Listen, people that are I used the word before, you know, the word I didn't use, but people that are butts. People that are asses. They aren't that because they have flaws. They are that because they're unwilling to admit their flaws. No one is a. Because of their flaws. They are that because of their unwillingness to admit and confront their flaws. That's what makes a person a two lines, fill in the blank. That's what makes a person that. It is a good word. It's an appropriate word. It's the word that makes the most sense. What? Oh, can you believe what a blank blank that person is? The reason and, and, and you've been that and I've been that. Why? Because not because we're flawed, but because we're not willing to admit where we're flawed. It's not. See, it's not like, oh, I, I'm we're all human. We're all flawed. Yes, we're all flawed. No, you you got to you got to zero in on your own stuff. You cannot do this. You listen to me. You cannot do this. Don't do this at home without 
righteousness, consciousness. You need to have a consciousness of the righteous, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Like what what empowers me and enables me to see my flaws for what they really are. They are like I'm like I'm screwed up in some areas. You're screwed up in some ways. I've got some issues. You've got some issues. But what gives me the what empowers me to be able to see it, face it, admit it and confront it in my own life and let the Holy Spirit, you know, mold it and shape it and change it and even let people weigh in on it. Like like I don't care if you saw or see my flaws because I'm not afraid of them for one reason, because I know that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. So I don't crumble at the awareness of my flaws because I'm established in righteousness, consciousness that I am a son of God. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I am everything he says I am inside. So what I, where my flaws reside are in my unrenewed soul, not in my heart and spirit, but in my unrenewed mind that still needs to be transformed through the renewing of my mind. And it's like it's 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 cool. It's like it's easy. Like you got to be with your soul like you are with your tooth at a dentist. Like you're not you know, the the dentist says, oh, man, there's a cavity in there. We got to fill that. Nobody's like, no, it's not. Uh uh. I don't have no cavity in there. That's your opinion. (laughs) Like you just are like, okay, fill it up. Why? Because you trust a professional. But when it comes to our soul, we're like, ah, I don't know. Look, look, this is what I do. Like, trust me, I'm not like trying to come up with something to talk about tonight. I wonder, I guess I just I don't know. Self-awareness or emotion like this. These are the building blocks for success in life. In any role, in any endeavor and in any and all relationships, this is essential. And and, you know, we all think of ourselves as independent thinkers, but um, and we, we all think that our reasoning is based on facts and evidence. But but the reality is our brain. This is what you have to realize, like you're the righteousness of God. So you can you got to be able to accept what I'm about to say is studies show that our brain spends most of its time defending and explaining what our heart has already decided and declared and therefore there's no reasoning with with a person like that, because you you think you're basing your emotion on facts and evidence when, in fact, your brain is working so fast because that's how God made us. Your brain's working so fast that it goes ahead of you to defend your own behavior and justify and rationalize rather than just stopping for a moment and taking personal responsibility 
for why you got angry and why you lashed out and why you're basing your happiness on somebody else and how they treat you or what the promises they make. See, this is the the elixir to all of this, the 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 remedy, the antidote for any of what I'm talking about is having this relationship with God where where your trust is in him, not in anybody else, where you can trust God, but treat people with respect and with kindness because you're not you're not you're not needing anything from them. See, when you treat a person a certain way because you want to get something from them, that's manipulation. That's why God is my source. God is my source. I'm telling you, God is my source. He's my source for happiness. He's my source for fulfillment. He's my source of where I get my understanding from. I'm not saying that I don't won't learn from you. I can learn from you, too, but I'm not depending on you performing or behaving in a certain way in order for me to be happy. Like I accept your flawed self. For one reason and here here. You can't accept a flawed person. You can't accept we don't accept flawed people in our lives until we first accept ourselves as a flawed person. And only in that self-awareness of I'm flawed. I, I get it, man. I'm I got blind spots until you come to recognize you have blind spots. And everybody all your life told you, oh, no, you're, you're like. You got to stop taking people, you got to stop living in your own BS. And you got to be with bologna sandwich and you got to be willing. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I don't know what you were thinking. You got like this. This. I'm telling you, this is the most liberating thing that can happen in your life besides being born again is being freed from the BS in your life and being freed from having to justify and rationalize why you do what you do and just learning how to have what we call self-acceptance, like you accept yourself. Doesn't mean you're going to stay that way. Doesn't mean you're going to stay flawed in that area, but you can't even you can't even do anything about that area of your life if you're not willing to admit it. That's what the Bible means by confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. In James chapter five, he's he's describing a self-aware person. Confess your faults one to another. He's not saying that the way you get forgiven of your sins is by confessing it to a priest or confessing it to another human being. God forgave you of your sin. But what heals you what 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 being willing to admit your flaws to another human being is it's it's a it's a proof of your self-awareness and your self-acceptance. But you can't do that when you feel that acknowledging your flaw will somehow bring shame to your life like you have to realize there's no shame in being flawed like you already are and we know it. You're just the one slow to catching up with your own flawed self like I like I don't I don't I don't need to try to pretend that I'm not. It doesn't mean that I'm reckless or careless or that I'm 
embracing those flaws. I'm embracing me and I happen to have flaws with me. Now, I don't want them to be with me, but I embrace me with them. I'm not going to only accept myself once I fix those flaws, just like I'm not going to accept you once you fix your flaws. I accept you now. You're welcome, Jim. (laughs) You know, we all know. Look, this is where you grow up, gang. This is where you grow up here. Let me let me explain it to you this way. Um, There's no way to fix what you defend. Until you recognize that you've been defending it and justifying it. Acknowledge that you have weakness, acknowledge that you have blind spots. Um, When you know your weaknesses, they stop being weaknesses because you acknowledge them. What ends up happening is if you don't acknowledge them, you become enslaved to your defense mechanisms. Like, I don't mean to be all psychological here on you, but uh, we all have these self justifying defense mechanisms and you got to let those things down and you can only let those things down. You can only let your guard down and let yourself defense self justifying like, well, I had reason to do this and there's a reasons and you made me and you know, I, now what I'm doing is I'm lacking self-awareness because I'm, I'm showing my emotional unintelligence. If I can give you some words that rhyme so you can remember some of these things that um, emotional intelligence is, I would I would describe it like this. Um, emotional intelligence is framing is it's it's framing, naming and taming your emotions framing, naming and taming your emotions. It's framing, framing your emotions, like seeing it in a frame, like 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 seeing the seeing the real picture, like not taking 50 selfies until you get one that you think looks like you. They all the other 49 look like you, too. You just didn't like them. Like what? So you have to you have to. So emotional intelligence is to be able to frame your emotions and say, you know what? I have and I got to deal with this anger or I got to deal with this pride or I got to deal with this anxiety or whatever it is, whatever the whatever the emotion is, depression, addictive tendency, like whatever it is, it's it doesn't matter. Like God already forgave it all. Now what we need to do is frame it like see it, that's self-awareness, frame it, name it. Okay, that's that I'm being defensive. Like I admit I'm being defensive. Like why did you why did I raise my voice and begin to give a list of all the good things I've done? That's called defensiveness. Like you have to be willing to call it what it is. When Jesus met that demon possessed man, the first thing Jesus said was, what's your name? What's your name? Frame it, name it, and then you can tame it. That's emotional intelligence in three words. Frame it, name it, tame it. Everybody say it. Frame it, name it, tame it. Now, what is the opposite of emotional intelligence? You can call it whatever you want. 
You can call it ignorance. You can call it unintelligence. You can call it emotional stupidity. You can call it emotional immaturity. You can call it whatever you want. But I got three words for that. Emotional immaturity or where you where we lack emotional intelligence is when we shame. When we blame. And when we maim. Okay, so we feel the shame. Emotional unintelligence is I feel shame for what for for what I've done, but I but because I'm lacking intelligence about it, I now blame somebody for it. And now I blame them to the point where it hurts them. That's maiming them. Maiming is to injure somebody to hurt. So this is what emotionally unintelligent people do. We 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 shame ourselves or somebody else. We feel the shame or we or we or we project shame. It's shame and then it's blame. We blame somebody else and then it's maim. We hurt people when we blame them like nobody like like whatever. Whatever, whatever mistakes that my parents made raising me. Are no longer on them. They're 100 percent on me. To recognize. And then grow the heck up. That's on me. When does it get on you? When is it on you? Like around 18. That's when it's all on you. Ah, don't mean to be rough here tonight. Does this does this make sense to you guys? I'm just trying to be like really direct and really clear. And because you're going to be in it tomorrow, you'll see something in your life. Listen, you see, this is how I deal with my my crap in my life is like I like go to God and say, Lord, help me. Like he said, mercy and grace in your time of need. So I go I go to the throne come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. You're washed by the blood of Jesus so you can go boldly to God, to his throne of grace. And at the throne of grace, it's not just grace that is available at the throne of grace. At the throne of grace is mercy and grace. Now, why do you, what, what's the difference? Well, we need mercy for to to free to be free from the the judgment of the seeds we've sown or the consequences. Mercy is to to withhold from somebody the judgment that they deserve, whereas grace is to give somebody the benefit that they don't deserve. So if you understand the difference, you know what to ask for to Lord. Look, I need some mercy here because, man, I know I deserve a, a bad harvest with some of the things I said or some of the things I did. But this is why I'm coming to the throne of grace to receive mercy. Well, I've told you the story of um, the lady whose son was a part of Napoleon's army back in the, you know, in the time of Napoleon's reign in France. And he almost conquered the whole world. 
And there was a young man who was one of his soldiers and he betrayed he betrayed Napoleon and he was about to be hanged uh, on the gallows. And the mother came to Napoleon and said, oh, emperor, please, I beg of you, have mercy on my son. And he got she got his attention and and Napoleon was said to have said to her, ma'am, do you have any idea what your son has done to your emperor? He doesn't deserve mercy. And she said to him, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. And it's said that Napoleon released the man back to his mother that day and set him free because of her framing for him what mercy was. And listen, he deserved to be killed. But Napoleon had mercy on him. We deserve judgment, but God has mercy. And we don't deserve all the blessing and all the. But he gives us grace. So God doesn't accept. Here's what I've learned about God. He doesn't accept excuses, but he gives plenty of grace. And when you get a hold of that, you stop making excuses and you start running to the throne a lot more. And then you stop judging people and you stop getting anxious about others and you stop trying to get them to change and you stop trying to get them to have peace with you. You just be at peace with them as much as it has to do with you. And now you're rolling. Now you're now you can you can solve problems. Now you can communicate intelligently with somebody. Now you're not driven by emotion, but you're retraining your brain to think um, God's way, which is which is humble, like every step Jesus took from heaven was a step down every step. And though he was, you know, equal, equal with God, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, taking on the form of a man and then a servant and then the bond servant of all and then obedient and then obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's like every step Jesus took was a step down. And then God highly exalted him and gave him the name above all names. And never, ever. Never, ever see humbling yourself and humility as something to be ashamed of. Always see humility as. The most beautiful characteristic and the most Christ like characteristic that any of us could ever have is that is the most Christ like it's 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 beyond being a servant. It's beyond sacrifice. It's beyond it's 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 a demeanor. It's an attitude. It's a approachableness. It's a you don't feel you don't make anybody ever feel small. You don't make anybody feel bad. You don't shame. 
You don't blame. You don't maim. But instead, you frame it, you name it, and then you tame it. And this is how you grow and how you be a leader and how you fulfill your calling and your purpose. And there's no other way. If there was if there was another path, I. I think. By our age, by Jim's age, he'd have figured it out. There's no other path. Is there, Jim? This is it. Like. I just pray that humility mark our lives and that pride has nothing in us. Like when Jesus said. Satan has nothing in me. He's talking about pride. Like that's where that's where Satan can get a hold of a person is that's where Satan can work in a person's life through the avenue of pride. And this is where God works in our lives through the avenue of humility. He gives grace, more grace to the humble. He saves us by his grace. But then he gives more grace, the Bible says, to the humble. James four, six or first Peter five. He says he gives more grace. Like I, I'll take it. And the only path to more grace is just humble yourself. Just frame it, self-awareness, name it. Don't be in denial. And tame it. You will master your emotions and you will not win. Every argument, you'll avoid every argument by solving it before it becomes that. Hey, everyone. Hope you enjoyed today's message. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast for more amazing messages like the one you just heard. You can also search for Gregory Dickow on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter for more great content to keep you going throughout the week.